Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center. Dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod. From the Register Guard newsroom, here's Ryan Thorburn and Austin Meek. All right, Austin, we're back for another episode of the Duck Pod. And today we have recurring guest Kelly Graves in <laughs> studio. Some of you might know him from his work as a Final Four coach. Uh, Kelly, I'll start with the Final Four. How has your life changed, if at all, since that great run you guys had? Um, not, not really too much. I mean, uh, you know, we had gotten so much local support late in the year that I, I got recognized more and more, uh, around here locally. It still hasn't parlayed into any like free meals when I've been out. That, that would always be nice. Somebody wants to pick up my, my lunch. Uh, but you know, I think, um, just on a national basis, I think it's just helped uh, with credibility, and certainly in, in a recruiting, we're seeing uh, you know some dividends there. I think people, uh, you know, when you're trying to recruit against Notre Dame and UConn and Baylor and those kind of teams that we we are, you know, one of the knocks that we had against us, well, they've never been to a Final Four. How do you know that you can do that or that they're going to do that? And now we we have that on our resume, so I think it's helped in that regard and. Uh, just certainly confidence as a as a coach as a professional i i think has has uh you know it's helped there and um and i think it's also given our our team some purpose and i wrote about it when we were in tampa but how special was that for you not just to get to the final four but the response you had from your former players oh. and just the basketball community in general Oh, it meant everything. I mean, uh, you know, leading up to, uh, you know, the, the Final Four, I think I heard from pretty much every, you know, player that I've coached over the years, from Big Bend Community College uh, to uh, the University of Portland and St. Mary's and Gonzaga and and uh, here at the University of Oregon. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. I think, uh, you know, when, when you coach and you're part of a team, you know, you, you become family forever, really. And... Uh, you know, and so I think when when they succeed in something, you know, I take pride in that. And and I think when when you know I've had some success in our teams now, uh, I think you know they take some pride in that. So um, you know, I, I I thought it was pretty cool the the uh, the support. Kelly, I think the last time we had you in here was before the season, and we asked you because it had just started to become a little bit of a conversation of could Sabrina go pro, 
after her junior year, and I think we talked about it. That's that, right. This is about the first place that that came up. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yes. and it was like, well, you know, there's a lot, a lot that's going to happen between now and then, and we'll see what happens. And it ended up that 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 was a decision that she had to make. Um, take me through that from your perspective, from the time the season ended till when you found out she was coming back. Were you, were you kind of on pins and needles? How were you <laughs> feeling when that was going down? Uh, you know, I, I had a good feeling about it, you know, that, that she, you know, was going to come back. But, you know, I left the day after, you know, we lost to Baylor. The the team, the, the travel party went home. Um, about half of our players stayed because, you know, the NCAA can fly their parents, their families in to the Final Four or for, for the Final Four. And their return trips home weren't until like that Monday. Well, they opted to stay, and Sabrina was one of those that stayed. So I was not in in contact with her for, you know, for the two days that she had to make that decision, which I guess is another, maybe another topic yeah. we can talk about here. But uh, you know, so I, I had a good good feeling, but at the same time, until you hear it from her that you know she she wanted to come back, you know, I didn't know. So there was, uh, you know. There was a little bit of anxiety, anxiousness, you know, in, in, in waiting. You never know who's who's got her ear, you know, when, when the final decision had to be made. But, um, you know, we had talked about it a few times during the, the season. Uh, so I had, kind, like I said, a kind of an idea. But uh, when I finally got that call, you know, shortly before the Players' Tribune article came out, um, needless to say, I was pretty ecstatic. Yeah, I want to follow up about that deadline because it is, I think, something that, that needs to be uh, discussed. But, yeah, so you found out before the rest of the world did, and uh, there was – for the rest of us, there was this moment of kind of uncertainty because it came out that she was leaving, and then yeah. a few minutes later, the Players' Tribune story comes out that says she's staying. So you knew a little bit in advance, at least, that she was. Well, back. I did, and it's kind of funny. That was a, it was a quick turnaround because she had given me the call, and it was literally I, I was on the phone when one of my boys, because I had all three sons, you know, we'd all just gotten back from the Final Four. My wife, we were all in our in our family room waiting for a call because she kind of told me when she was going to call. And so literally, as she was talking to me, it came out on, you know, one of the uh, Twitter sites, uh, women's basketball sites, that she's going pro. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I know the gentleman who runs that site. And uh, and so as soon as I got done with uh, talking with Sabrina, she said, well, it's going to come out in a little bit. I called him and I I didn't tell him what because I I wanted this to come from her so I didn't tell him I just said you may want to rethink your your tweet and he he was he goes Kelly what do you mean I'm I'm not saying anything I just you may want to rethink this and so you know by then the damage had been done and had already spread out through Twitter sphere and and um, you know I knew the real answer and then you know it wasn't a half hour forty five minutes that. The, the official announcement came out, the yeah. Players' Tribune. Yeah. But so, I was on some pins and needles there for a little bit. Yeah. So what do you think does need to happen with that deadline? Obviously, for a player to make that decision in 24 hours after your season ends, that's a lot to ask. It, it is. And, and the way they put it is uh, you if it's within a week of the, the draft, you have 48 hours after your final game is completed. So for the Notre Dame, the young lady from Notre Dame, she literally had, I think, 24 hours in, in her case. But it, that's too much to ask. I mean, that, that, you know, you're talking about a life decision to be made in 24 hours. It, it's nuts. So I, I don't know what the uh, the solution is. You know, maybe they can move the draft back a little bit, you know, at least a couple weeks, because training camps don't start until that first week in May. 
and uh, you, you know, and they had the draft. What was it like the tenth or the eleventh or whatever the, the, that is? Well, why not have it on the twenty fifth? Give them a couple of weeks anyway. Um, you know, WNBA has their reasons, but you know, it doesn't happen to too many players. I think there were only a couple eligible to make that decision this this past year. It just hit home to us because it happened to us. But in my opinion, she made the, the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the opinion of pretty much every Duck fan and college basketball fan. And you guys, one of the things uh, that may have played into it, just think of the personality or the um, the, the what would you the celebrity that that she's become in a lot of ways uh, since then. I, I think had she gone pro. You know, you lose a little bit of that visibility because I think college basketball right now is is much more popular and much more visual than than pro basketball. And you know, unless there's another Zion coming down the pike on the men's side, she might be the biggest star in college basketball, men or women, in this coming season. I think that's a fair argument. Just before we get off the WNBA topic, can what are your emotions seeing my take as well oh. about one of your great program players of all time stick in the WNBA? Yeah, I almost cried when, when she called me yesterday and she told me that her coach had just called her. And, uh, uh, you know, it's like a family member, something great happening to a family member. And I was just thrilled for her because I know, you know, she's, she's the kind of player that you just – it takes some time to, to really appreciate who she is. And sometimes when you only have a couple of weeks to figure that out in a training camp, that can be hard. But they did the right thing. And uh, and I know Coach Collin, we've talked several times during this process, but dur- during the season they run a lot of ball screen action. And uh, I just knew – you know, I kept telling her, listen, you, you won't regret this. I mean, you won't regret it, Nikki. She is a heck of a player. And then – we obviously know what a great person she is. I mean, she's a great teammate. She's the whole package. So when something great happens to to a you know person like that, you're really excited, and I certainly was. So obviously, no one's going to uh, feel sorry for you losing a great player like Maite with everything you have coming back. But how does that change the dynamic for Sabrina in terms of you know Maite took a lot of pressure off Sabrina with her ball handling mm-hmm. skills, her ability to check the the best offensive player a lot of times on the other team. Yeah. Do you see Sabrina having even more on her shoulders or are there other players that can fill that Maite role for you? Well, you know, we, we nobody can really fill what Maite did. I mean, she was such a, a terrific player and a four-year starter for us, but uh, but we, we're certainly confident in the other players that we have that can fill that position. I think you start with uh, returners like Taylor Chavez. You know, Taylor is a really good player, and I think she showed that last year. Unfortunately, we didn't have her down the stretch, and I think that hurt us. Mm-hmm. You know, we need, you know, Sabrina had to play 38, 39, 40 minutes some nights, and, you know, even just a few minutes rest. So Taylor is certainly a candidate there. Uh, I think Jazz Shelley, who uh, who's coming in next year, in our opinion, we we thought she was one of the two or three best point guards in the world in the 2019 class, and uh, you know she has proven that on an international stage and even a professional stage. She's not professional, but she's playing in a professional league. She is a terrific player, and uh, and certainly ready to to come in and, and contribute and play big minutes right off the bat. So you start with those two, uh, and then we still have Morgan Yeager uh, in the mix, um, who who can play some point guard. So. Maybe Sabrina runs a little bit more of the point this year, but I, I still think we're going to be in really, really good hands. I, I'm actually going to, you know, have Satu take a little bit of the uh, uh, the pressure off as in a ball handling role as well. And you guys posted some some video of Niara this week. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Knocking down three pointers, knocking down mid range. Obviously, this is Satu's younger sister who was out last year with a knee yeah. injury. Do you see a scenario where you could go big with both Sabali sisters on the yeah. floor, or do you see? You know, Taylor and more of a traditional lineup that like you've had. I guess it could depend yeah. on who you're playing. Well, that gives it. We have a lot of versatility, so it gives us uh, you know a lot of options. Yeah, I could see us going with Niara and uh, and Ruthie a lot. You know, together, and that gives you a big strong front line. Uh, yeah, Niara's. Uh, she's you guys. She's a beast. I mean, she truly is. She's great around the block and likes to bang. You know, not a lot of kids like to bang. She likes the contact, uh, but then she can step out. I, I I posted that to you know psych some of our opponents out. And say this is what we got coming in you know, a little bit. But I also get a, a lot of questions. Well, how's Nyara doing? And she still hasn't been able to like contribute in in hard workouts and and contact kind of workouts. So I thought, well, I'm going to at least post this and it kind of answers some questions from, you know, the people ask me of how she doing. And then the, everybody want, also wants to know what kind of player she is. Well, that showed a little bit. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll drop some more of that video from time to time when our new players uh, come in, just so people start to get to know them. Well, Kelly, we adhere to all uh, NCAA rules on this <laughs> podcast. So uh, we know that you can't talk about players who aren't signed yet, but if people have been reading the headlines they know that you're putting together a, a, a really strong class for 2020. Uh, you know, if people were looking at this and saying, "Where does where does Oregon go after this this core group of players they've had?" I think some of those answers now are starting to fall into place. Just in general, how do you feel about the momentum right now in recruiting? Uh, is that one area where where the Final Four run has definitely given you a, a bump? And just how do you feel about how this program is? Uh, laying the foundation to uh to capitalize on on the success you've already had well i think the recruiting's gone well ever since we got here i mean you know you, you think of our first class with maite and adi and you know, that's a winning winning this class in in school history and then we backed that up with the, the amazing 2016 class with uh sabrina and ruthie headlining that group um and then Satu the next year <laughs> you know uh and then uh you, you know this this past this next group coming in uh you know, so it's it's gone well. We've we've I think amped it up even more, and uh, I don't I, I think the 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 fact that we went to a Final Four has helped. I think these young women who are uh, you know who we've had some success with, I think they're not uh, you know they didn't base it solely on that. I think we've my staff works really hard at developing re- relationships with coaches, uh, high school coaches and club coaches and families and and certainly the um, the young student athletes. So. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a team effort. We've worked really hard at it. Recruiting is something, quite frankly, I think we're really good at. You know, we work hard at it. I think we have, uh, you know, a lot to sell here at the University of Oregon and our program. And 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 I think Sabrina, when when she, you know, if you haven't read her Players Tribune article, I think it's worth the read. One of the things she said, you know, we're not just. We're, you know, winning this next year or this past year, we're building a program. She's taking ownership as well. And I think that speaks a lot. She would rather stay in college than go pro. I think that speaks to our to our program and the, the positive experience our, our student athletes have here. And so I think that's just, it's become more and more attractive as we've gotten that word out. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're kind of an attractive destination for a, for a women's basketball player. Yeah, when when you look at your roster for next year, you mentioned some of the players you've got coming in and Niara coming off the injury. 
is there a piece or two you would like to add? Is there anything you can look at and say if we could just if if we could add in this piece that we would be totally everything that we want? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know. I think a little bit more help at the point is something that that uh, will will be important. I think a little more depth maybe inside. Uh, Lydia, by the way, you guys have been working Lydia out this spring. She has never looked better. I, yesterday, I was amazed it, it was almost i mean I've, I've watched the progress this spring but then it was like yesterday it i was going oh my gosh I mean, she is she's incredible and people forget this is the first off season she's had injury free she's never really been able to work at her game in the off season and now that she is she's coming a long way so now you look at with niar coming in uh with ruthie you know, Aaron Bowley is uh, is getting healthy now, and then Lydia, and then we have Lucy Cochran, a freshman, a six five six six center coming in from Australia. Suddenly, an area where we had some weakness this year inside now becomes, I think, one of our strengths. So, uh, but you know, you could always maybe use another body inside. Uh, but I, I, I like what we have. I think we have enough next year um, to uh, you know again contend for a, for a national championship. I truly do. Yeah, and you've mentioned Jazz and Lucy. You have three international players coming in, Holly Winterburn as well. What does she bring to the table? Uh, uh, a lot of savvy. I mean, she just knows how to play. I think Jazz, too. Those those kids, have, they think the game, they know the game. Very similar to Maite, to Sabrina, Taylor. You know, those kids really understand how to play, but Holly can, can really shoot it. Uh, she was the uh, she was voted the young player of the year in in their pro league over there in England. Uh, she had fifty point games. She had one game she made thirteen threes. I mean, I don't. And their line is back further than ours by by about eight or nine inches. I don't care who you're playing. You make thirteen threes in a game. That that's saying something. So I think she's she's uh, she can attack the basket a little bit. And she's used to international play. So we've had good success with international players. I think that'll continue with Holly. Another thing that's exciting for fans is you guys are, are playing a really good schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you announced that you actually match up with Louisville at, at the Thanksgiving tournament in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Just speak to yeah. the, the, the schedule you guys are putting together. Okay, yeah. I, I thought that was really important that we put together a good schedule, knowing knowing that Pac-12 next year, you guys, I think might be the toughest it's ever been. Uh, when you look at the early rankings, we have three that are considered top ten programs, and then UCLA is – you know in the top 15 of those programs that you know as people prognosticate uh next year that's incredible so you know you don't want to load up i don't think too much in the non-league but this is what we have so at at home right now we have kansas state uh we have south dakota state who we played and beat in the sweet 16 last year and i'm trying to think of the uh there was one more at home well we obviously have other home games but those let's say let's call those the two headliners then on the road we're at Syracuse uh, and we're at UConn and that UConn game will be in February on a big Monday Uh, so those are two and Syracuse is in most preseason top 10 so that's going to be a a really good opponent and then in the Virgin Islands right now we have um, Oklahoma State and Louisville so you're looking at six power conference programs out of our 12 non-league and, and that's that's a pretty good ratio plus a very tough pack 12 so we're going to have the the kind of schedule that would warrant if if we play well a number one seed i think sometimes that's one of the knocks on teams that might be in that one two bubble uh, our, our strength of schedule is is going to be well within uh, that range and you, i love what you said at the civil war last year you're like guys these two programs aren't going anywhere no 
And you guys respect Oregon State. They obviously have been forced to respect Oregon now mm-hmm. that you've built it up. And they're one of these teams that you're mentioning, them and Stanford that yeah. UCLA, it's going to be quite a race. Ooh. And and then you've got the other usual suspects. I mean, Arizona State is still going to be really good. They're always going to be good as as long as Coach Charlie's there. And uh, you know, Cal is is always Cal. They're always loaded with talent. I think Utah's ready to make that next step. Arizona winning the the postseason WNIT. I think they have proven and shown now that they're. And I think they return everybody. If I'm not mistaken, I think they inter- they return their entire roster. Uh, you know that that's a team now that's going to make that that next step. So, hey, listen, it, it doesn't get easier, but I think that helps us when it comes to postseason. We we've seen and and every kind of style, and we've played against great teams, and so nothing surprises us when we get into the NCA. Kelly, people ask me this sometimes, and I never know exactly what the answer is. But what do you think? the women's programs in the Pac-12 are doing that that the men's programs could emulate. I mean, Dana's team had a great run at the end of last season to get to the Sweet 16. Wasn't a good year overall for men's basketball in the Pac-12. They've announced some changes in the last couple of weeks that they hope will help raise the profile of the league. But when people say basketball is no good in the Pac-12, you always say men's basketball maybe is down women's basketball in the Pac-12 is as good as it is anywhere in the country. What what can the, the men's side learn from what the women's teams are doing? Well, I think a couple of things, and I can't speak to men's basketball. I don't know the, the landscape, but I know the players from the West now are staying home. So the elite players along the, the West Coast and the Mountain West uh, – they're staying in the Pac-12. It used to be the, an exodus. You know, they would leave, uh, but that's not happening. I think uh, so. I don't know if that's the case on men's on the men's side. I don't know. Uh, I think next we support each other. You know, we have that hashtag back the pack. I think every time you hear Coach Vandeveer talk about the conference. Or, or talk about her program, she'll mention the strength of the conference. And we try to do that as often as we can. We have a, uh, a messaging uh, plan from the conference on how we can promote the conference and what's going on. And I, and I think all that helps. You know, we're, we're helping each other. I think our, everybody's scheduling better. I don't know how that works on the men's side. Um, you know, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the men's game. Yeah. I do know this: Coach Altman's really good. That guy can coach, and and it and he proved that by getting that team to the Sweet Sixteen after the the year they had. Yeah, I mean, with women's basketball, it's one of those things where if if it's not broke, don't fix it. So all the things being talked about now with the men's game in terms of adding a couple extra conference games, in terms of you know establishing uh, minimum scheduling standards for the non-conference schedule. Do you kind of feel like that's sort of the stuff that's already being done on the women's side? I mean, the schedules, you guys play a tough schedule. It doesn't seem like playing two more conference games on the women's side would be a a huge benefit for anybody. Is that how you feel about it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when I heard they were doing that, I I was thinking, well, uh, I wonder if we're going to follow suit. And I'm glad we're not because I don't think we need it. I think our our teams do a good job. I think our strength of schedule last year as a conference may have been first in the non-league. And then for whatever reason, we dropped down to the two overall conference RPI once the season was done but uh, I think we've been number one I think two of the previous three years so yeah I don't think we need that and uh, and I'm glad that we don't have it I like the option of going out and being able to play a Syracuse a UConn you know the Virgin Islands tournament 
and uh, so they, they, I think, trust us. There are a lot of programs where their 12 or 15 players will spend the summer together on campus yeah. working out and that sort of thing. And I'm sure that's helpful, and, and that's probably a positive thing. But your groups are always traveling all over the world separately or on the three-by-three three three team that Sabrina and Ruthie and Lydia are on. Um, how does that help you guys? Well, we're in a unique. We run a unique summer program. It's uh, and I think more are starting to do what we do. We have three summer sessions, Ryan. We have um, uh, they're each one month. When I first got here, we would usually require two 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 summer sessions from our student athletes. Uh, a couple years ago, I kind of dropped it down to well, you know, let's we need you to be here at least one session. And now I've just opted, given them the the summers off, you know, um, if they want to stay here, we'll be here to work them out. You know, we, we are allowed what eight, what I think eight hours a week now to, to work our players out in the summertime, I think for a total of eight weeks or so, I don't even know the rule. Uh, but it's something like that. Uh, most of them are going to stay at least for one and maybe even a second summer session because, you know, they get their scholarship check, number one. They all want that. And, you know, home sometimes gets a little overrated. After you've been on your own for a while and then you go home as a, as a college sophomore and your parents, when you go out, say, well, where are you going? Well, what time are you going to be home? It's like that wears pretty thin after a week or two. So uh, most will stick around. But Part of the reason we made this summer adjustment is because a lot of our players go home and play on their national teams, and uh, including the American kids. You know, Sabrina and Ruthie last year were playing with USA Basketball, um, but you know, Satu, Niara, Maite, Morgan—they all go home, and and so I just uh, you know, like I said, we've we've adjusted it. I think it's worked. It's a long season. We started practice last year, October 1st. And I don't know the exact date, but I think our final game was maybe April 5th or 4th, somewhere. That's a full six-month season. And um, they have, what, four or five days at Christmas. That's the only break they get. And so I think it does them good to have a mental and a physical rest during the season. We're getting pros. That's who we're recruiting. That's who's on our team. They're not going to go home and eat Cheetos and bonbons and get fat and out of shape these kids all have personal trainers you know they're going home and working out they're playing Uh, so i don't worry about that part they're still getting that fix but it's different when you're part of the team and you're going through practice that gets taxing so that's our approach i've the more i've talked to coaches around the country i think the more a lot of them are kind of liking that idea these kids are a little different now and um you know so we've adjusted i was up in portland for the the last two games of the western conference finals the uh the warriors and the blazers saw sabrina there in her warriors jersey who's your nba team um i you know i i like the blazers i do i wouldn't say they're my team uh I, i was a larry bird fan so the celtics were you know that was my go to then um the one constant is I've never liked the Lakers, and I love LeBron. So it, it's been – this year was a, a difficult year. I was at game four, and um, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, they really do do it right, the NBA. That, that's a show. Uh, you know, the basketball is great too, but the show. Yeah. 
it kind of it feels like it. kind of feels like you're walking into a prize fight. You know, it's like <laughs> it Colin Kaepernick is walking by and Pete Carroll's walking by. Yep. It's like all these celebrities there, and of course the players are you know the legendary iconic players yeah. of the time. That Warriors team, man. Oh, something else. Seeing them in person. You watch them on TV. Yeah. But you see them in person. It's just. I think a lot of people think we play like the Warriors. This is a, that's a comparison that they make, and uh, it's a great comparison. So I should like the Warriors, <laughs> but I'm a LeBron fan, so I was always rooting for the Cavs. So you couldn't like the Warriors, but I think now that I don't really, really have a dog in that race anymore, I think I'm going to appreciate the Warriors a lot more. And and so it's. I know I'm jumping on that bandwagon late, <laughs> but. How can you not help but like how they play and who they are and how unselfish and, and everything? But, uh, you know, Sabrina was up there game three on the court, you know, be doing during the pregames, talking with Rachel Nichols and Scottie Pippen and stuff. I mean, how cool is that? And then after game four, she's down in the, you know, like by the team locker room, mm-hmm. hanging out with Steph and all those guys. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. And when USA Today, they put their list of celebrities that were at the game, like you mentioned Pete Carroll and, and some others. She was the first one they mentioned. <laughs> so she's in a whole different stratosphere than we are right now. <laughs> she draws a crowd. Sure. She she does. And uh, and I kind of watched her. You know, we, we hung out just a little bit at game four. And just the people who come up and – want pictures and autographs and just say hi Sabrina crazy I remember when she first showed up you said that Phil Knight texted you and said congratulations not only is she going to change Oregon women's basketball she's going to change the university uh that that was an amazing (laughs) foreshadowing I guess and my question is you know obviously Phil's at all the the football games and and the men's final four has he been supportive of women's basketball very much so i i got several texts from him this year after big wins and uh, so i know he's watching he's um i don't know how is it, if he's spending as much time in in oregon now nowadays but um he uh yeah so he he knows what's going on and then before some football games you know he'll he'll come up and he'll talk and he he knows recruiting he knows the names out there, and he, he's just been a terrific supporter, uh, you know, obviously of the entire university, but more and more for our program. Mm-hmm. Well, Kelly, you're the best, man. We appreciate you still coming in here, even though a uh, big-time Final Four coach now oh, still has time oh, for, yeah. the, uh, for the duck pod. So. Austin, <laughs> you, you say that. I've told a ton of people, <laughs> if I ever get too big-time for anything, you have, the, you have my complete uh, – uh, approval to just slap me around. You can hit me and do whatever and say, you know what, get over yourself. I don't think I would ever change. But uh, well, I... we uh, we love that about you. Thanks for coming in and doing the podcast. Uh, it's going to be here before we know it. You got a little time to a uh, little downtime here this summer, but it ramps up quick, and yeah. uh, everybody's excited to see uh, where your program goes next. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for doing what you do too. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Duck Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts.